Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis how Noah built an altar or place of slaughter unto the Lord and what that altar meant to Noah. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's some highlights from this week's messages. If you have a problem with the Lord Jesus Christ, that's a big problem. Why? Because in John 1.4, it makes clear, in Him was life. If you have a problem with the Lord Jesus Christ, you've got to get over it because He's the only way to life. So just as we see Noah first emerging from the ark and then turning around to bring forth those that he had kept alive and then turning to God and saying to them, here they are, and then turning to them and saying, here it is. Now here's Tom Cantor as we conclude our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday expository study in Genesis this week on the work that Noah did. And... There's no one that has ever needed to do more than Noah did at that time. There's no one that's ever had a longer must-do list than Noah had at that time. But what does he do? Noah takes all those items on the must-do list that are calling Noah's name. He can hear them calling him off the list. And he just puts his hand on the list. And he silences them. And he says, yes. There are many things that I must do, but I have one and only one absolute priority, and I will do this now if it kills me. I will do the one absolute necessity, and that's verse 20. And Noah builded an ark, altar, you didn't build an ark, and Noah builded an altar unto the Lord, and took of every clean beast and every clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. That picture of what it was like for Noah emerging from the ark onto a totally virgin earth with nothing left from the past. And the words then of verse 20 are so impressive. Noah builded, Noah the builder built an altar unto the Lord. Noah the great builder built an altar. Noah the great builder had built an ark. He had waterproofed it. That great ark was tested. It held firm. It held watertight through the perfect storm. And here, Noah, the great builder, in verse 20, builds an altar to the Lord. Just so impressed. He builds an altar to the Lord of all that needed to be built. And here's Noah, the great builder. Here's the man for the job. And what does he decide to build? An altar. That's very instructive for us. Because what should we do when we wake up in the morning and like Noah, we have a must-do list that's calling out our name with items on it. We need to be like Noah. We put our hand on that list and we silence that because we say we're going to go spend time with God in our morning devotions. What should we do when we're faced with a shock of an impossible situation like Noah, like being told you have cancer, like Noah, we turn and we say, Lord Jesus I worship you. That's the response. Now the altar. The description here of the altar. What is this? Well, first of all, this is the first time in the Bible that the word altar is used. The Hebrew word here is mitzbeach. It's for altar. And it comes from a Hebrew word, tzvach. And it means, that word means to slaughter. So altar means a place of slaughter. A place of slaughter. There's another word. 
shakach, for slaughter. My grandfather was a slaughterer in the kosher sense, so he was a shokhet. But this is another word. It's an older word, zavach. And so the word altar means a place of slaughter. Every time you see the word altar, I want you to think of it, a place of slaughter. And so let's read verse 20 now with that in mind. And Noah builded a place to slaughter unto the Lord. That was a place where animals were slaughtered or sacrificed to God. That is exactly what we see Noah doing here. He's slaughtering clean beasts and clean fowl. Now, consider the sacrifice of it all. First of all, it was not as if Noah had an abundance of these clean animals. There was a limited amount. And those animals might have looked pretty good to eat. Well, at least they wouldn't to me. You know, that, <laughs> that reminds me when we used to have our business on the ranch where we lived at with our three boys. Cheryl and I, three boys, lived on the ranch. Some of you remember those days. I hope most of you don't because you used to call me the goat man and I never liked that. But goats are clean animals. It's not a bad thing to be called. But anyway, starting the business with $130 meant that we didn't have much money. So we had to watch every dollar very carefully. And we were pouring a lot of money into buying goats. I wasn't good at buying goats. We'd go up to the auction up at Chino on Ontario, and that's another story. And I would always, you know, those people selling the goats were smarter than me because they would shoot up those sick goats ready to die with so much combiotics that when I got them back home, they just fell over and died. But anyway, I was pouring a lot of money into buying goats, and then we would immunize them and see if they made antibodies. And the one that made antibodies, we kept them, we bled them regularly. And the goats that didn't make antibodies, we had to get rid of them fast because they were eating up food. So one day, I looked at those goats we had to get rid of, and I thought to myself, if I can just get my wife and three boys to eat goat meat, we could save a lot of money. So I started this campaign, and on our patio, I attached this big fan with two-and-a-half-foot diameter blades attached to the wall. And underneath it, I put this barbecue pit, a large barbecue, and I'd light those briquettes every night and turn that fan on. And boy, in no time, those briquettes were red hot. And then those goats that didn't make antibodies, on the grill. So every meal, but that, I had to get them to eat the goat meat, see? So every meal, I would say to, say to the boys, I'd say, boys, isn't this great? And I had this motto, and I said, Goat is better than beef, see? And so <laughs> I told them, just don't eat the areas where they were immunized. And, you know, our boys were young, and we homeschooled them for 14 years, so they never had anyone else to tell them the goat wasn't better than beef. So anyway, each meal I'd say, boys, goat's better than beef, and they'd say, dad, goat's better than beef. And everything was going well until we started to invite kids from the chapel over to our house. You know, we could brought them over on Sunday morning after church, and then we bring them back for Sunday evening. And we told those, they told those kids, goat is better than beef, see? And those kids went home and told their parents, goat is better than beef. Then some of those parents didn't let the kids come over to our house anymore. <laughs> Actually, that wasn't all of it. What really happened was that when the kids would play with the goats, then they returned to evening church, and this little room, the, the parents would complain about how they smelled. And I'd just say to them, smells like money to me. <laughs> anyway, they didn't come to our house anymore. But that was our motto, goat was better than beef. Cheryl never liked goat meat. She practically became a vegetarian. And none of our boys now believe that goat's better than beef. Actually, to be honest, I never told them the reason why. I never finished the sentence, goat was better than beef because it was free. But anyway, uh, Noah slaughtered these goats. And there was some good-looking meat there. And that's why the second part of verse 20 is so significant. 
Because it says, and he offered burnt offerings on the altar. That means that Noah burned up all that meat until it was completely nothing more than a pile of ashes. So when it says in verse 20 that he offered burnt offerings to the Lord, that means no one ate the meat, that it was all burned up. Now picture for a moment, Noah is gathering these stones to the altar, and he's building the altar, and we see him here, and he's determined. That's the kind of person Noah was, very determined. Lots of diligence in Noah. He's very determined. He's building this altar. No way that Noah is going to be distracted from building that altar, because that altar for Noah was a place of worship. That's where Noah worshipped God. And when we see Noah building the altar with his first priority, we see in Noah the high priority that Noah has placed on right worship. Not just on worship, but on right worship. What did that altar represent for Noah? Noah said there has got to be a place for prayer. And this altar is going to be the place for prayer. Noah needed a place where he would talk with God, and that altar was going to be the place. Noah chose a place of slaughter to be the place of prayer. Why? Because there's a very important word in Hebrew. Most people just think about it from the song that's sung at Passover, Dainu, but it literally means enough for us, or sufficient for us, enough for us. The word dainu explains why Noah chose the place of slaughter to be the place of his prayer. Because Noah knew that just to have a sincere heart that really wants to talk with God, that's not dainu. That's not enough for Noah's prayer to be heard. Noah knew that just to come to God as a sinner with a contrite heart confessing his sin to God... That's not dainu. That's not enough for Noah's prayer to be heard. Noah knew that just because God had spoken to him in the past was also not dainu. That was not enough for Noah's prayer to be heard. Noah knew that a blood sacrifice was needed in order to have dainu, in order to have enough for Noah's prayer to be heard. He knew the reason why Abel's sacrifice was more excellent than Cain. It was because Abel's sacrifice was a blood sacrifice and Cain's sacrifice was not a blood sacrifice. And if anyone makes his prayer to God and does not come with the blood or under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not dainu, it's not enough, and his prayer will not be heard. If anyone eats kosher food or puts on tefillin or has been circumcised or has been bar mitzvahed and prays to God without the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not dainu. It's not enough. And his prayer will not be heard. Why? Because it says in Hebrews 9.22, without shedding of blood is no remission. And as David said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So remission is essential to be heard. Leviticus 17.11 says that God gave the blood to them upon the altar, again, upon the place of slaughter, to make an atonement for their souls. It's the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. Hebrews 12.24 speaks about Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. 
in Romans 5, 9, we find that we are justified by His blood. In Colossians 1, 14, we find that we have redemption through His blood. In Colossians 1, 20, we have peace through His blood. And it says in Hebrews 9, 7, that the high priest went into the second chamber not without blood. And as for our prayer, as Noah was seeking to reach God with prayer, in Hebrews 10, 19, it says that having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. And in 1 Peter 1, 18 through 19, verses you're familiar with, we, it says that we have been redeemed with precious blood of Christ. So for Noah, this altar, the place of slaughter, was the place of prayer because he knew that if he didn't come with blood, that he would not be heard. And Noah knew that God would become a man, would become the Messiah, the one we know as the Lord Jesus Christ. And God, as a man, would shed the perfect blood for sins. And so God would it could hear prayers. So Noah's prayer was by a place of slaughter. A place of slaughter. What's that mean for us? Just as Noah knew that it was not enough unless his prayers were at the place of slaughter. We know that it's not enough unless our prayers are at the place of slaughter. What is the place of slaughter? That's the cross. The cross is the altar. The cross is the place where the Lord Jesus Christ was slaughtered. That's why it's so important for us in our morning devotions to take time to remember the cross. I make it my practice to read Isaiah 53 and read Psalm 22 and at least some little portion from either Matthew 27 or Mark 15 or Luke 23 or John 19. Those are all the chapters that deal with the cross because it brings me to the cross. So I try to get to the cross every morning by reading those and just as Noah knew he needed a blood sacrifice to make his prayer acceptable, we know and remember the Lord Jesus Christ, and his slaughter, and his death on the cross, because that's where he was sacrificed. So that's when we pray. We always pray. We say, in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Brings us back to him, brings us back to the cross. So this altar for Noah was a place of prayer. This altar was also a place for Noah to offer his thanks. It was a place of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving to God for what he had done. And this place also was a place for Noah in the symbolism of the burnt offering to say, I give myself wholly to you, a place of dedication. Now, in verse 21, the last the verse here, it says, and the Lord smelled a sweet savor. You know why it says God smelled a sweet savor? Because God knew how much this was costing Noah. God saw Noah's must-do list. He saw the pressure that he was under to get a lot of things done. He knew, God knew what needed to be built, and God saw how Noah sacrificed all that and put God first and built an altar. And when Noah did that, God saw that and God said, sweet. And God saw how good that fresh meat looked to Noah, at least it would have to me. And Noah had put God first and burnt it all up on the altar. And when God saw that, God looked at that and said, sweet. And that's why it says in verse 27, the Lord smelled a sweet savor. It was sweet because of what it cost Noah. King David, he needed a sacrifice. He needed an offering to make to God to stop the plague. He needed a place 
for his sacrifice, and he needed oxen, King David did. And Aruna had just what David needed. And so Aruna, in order to help out David, he says, I'll give you the place, I'll give you the oxen, free of charge. And sounds like a pretty good deal. But David said, no way. He strongly refused. In 2 Samuel 24, 24, it says that David said, I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. See, that was David's realization, that he's not going to offer what doesn't cost him anything to God. And so when, when David did that, then God saw his offering and he said, sweet. And God sees us when he sees us in the morning in our morning devotions and we're saying no. And the more things that are on our list, the more things we have to say no to. And the more we do, then God looks at us and he says, sweet, you put me first, you took time with me. And he sees us taking our valuable time, preparing lessons and teaching kids, children in Sunday school. And when God sees that, he says, sweet. And when God sees us risking our friendships with our friends and our relatives to bring the gospel to them, and when God sees that, he says, sweet. And he sees the limited money. And when he sees us putting it into his work, he looks at that and he says, sweet. And so the Lord smelled the sweet savor. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for, Lord, being the God of Noah. And we thank you for this man, Noah. We thank you, Lord, for Noah, and we thank you for how you had Moses meticulously write down the essential points as you directed him to the life of Noah so that we could see, Lord, how we need to be like Noah and to make these sacrifices and to see how you see them as sweet. And Lord, we need to be like Noah and be concerned to keep others alive. And we thank you how Noah was like the Lord Jesus Christ in so many ways. Help, Lord, that what we learn from your word may stay with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Tom, today you spoke about how Noah was a great builder. So what is the significance for us that the Scripture speaks of how Noah built both the ark and the altar? It's very important because when you look at the ark of what Noah built, you would look at, you'd stand back and you'd look at this ark and you'd say, Magnificent! What a structure that he built there. Absolutely marvelous. Look at the engineering that went into it. Look at how stable this vessel was. Look at how many how many animals went into it. Magnificent achievement, Noah. And we'd clap and we can hear all the people applauding and everything. Wonderful, wonderful, Noah, the great builder of the ark. But Scripture then talks about, in Genesis 8.20, And Noah built an altar unto the Lord. So we could almost look at that verse and say, And Noah, the great builder, built an altar unto the Lord. Now, the person far from God, the non-believer, would look at it and say, What? The great builder wasted his time on an altar? What good was that? He absolutely, he was, it was a waste. It was a waste of his time. It was a waste of his talent. It was a waste of all of his potential. Oh, but not so God. 
God says, no, that was a great building that he made too when he built the altar. Because in the first place, he built the ark, and of course that saved lives. But in the second place, when he built the altar, that was to worship God. That was to come to God and to, and, and, and to give himself to worship. So that means when we have talents and we can make money and we can, we can do all these accomplishments and achievements, but Noah's our example. Because when we look at Noah and we say, yes, he was very accomplished and he could do accomplishments, but we see Noah then giving himself wholly to the worship of Jehovah Jesus. And that's why Noah, the great builder, applied his talents, applied his resources, applied his ability to the worship of God. He took prayer seriously. When he prayed, he worked in his prayer. It wasn't just a simple, oh, now I lay me down to sleep, my soul pray the Lord, my soul to keep. It wasn't like that. Noah was working and he was saying, I worship you and I work in my worship as I worship you. And I pray and I work in my prayer as I pray to you. Because there you can see him, the master builder, building his worship life to the Lord, building his prayer rescue of others who needed God. This is God's call to us in Romans 12, 1 and 2. He says, God says, I beseech you, because it's Paul writing, I beseech you, brethren, beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies. We can almost see Noah, your body, Noah. You present your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So in other words, what does it mean to be conformed to this world? Be conformed to this world says, don't waste time worshiping God. Don't waste time reading the Bible. Don't waste time in prayer. Go out and make money and, and accomplish and build, just build arcs. Don't build any altars, you see, but that's not the person who is given to God. Because as we present our bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, then we will be building altars. We will be spending time working as in our worship of the Lord Jesus Christ, learning him, learning about him, more about Jesus would I know, and bringing his message of life to the lost. And that's how it applies to us today. Now, the altar, when Noah looked at the altar, he saw the concept of enough. There was a peace that came to his soul because he saw in the altar the sacrifice of God. And this is what we see in the altar when we see, when we read the words of Hebrew 9.26, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. See, we have sins, and sins uh, for us are like little yapping dogs. They just yap, 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 and they're constantly constantly molesting our peace. They're constantly disturbing us. And what is going to silence all the disturbance of sin? It's spoken of here in Hebrews 9.26. Once in the end of the world, he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. When Noah looked, built that altar and looked at that altar and sacrificed animal sacrifices on the altar, he saw beyond the animal sacrifices. He saw beyond the blood of those sacrifices, and he saw 
saw beyond as, as Abraham could see beyond and he could tell to his son, God himself shall provide. And God himself did provide and God provided himself as the sacrifice to take away sin. That's who the Lord Jesus Christ is. He is God come in the flesh to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. He is God, as it says in Hebrews 9.26, that has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So when Noah sees the altar, when Abraham sees the altar, he sees beyond and he realizes, you know, one day God's going to appear to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. When we look at the cross, we understand that was God who appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And peace comes to our soul and silencing of all the disturbing sins in the past because we realize once for all, sin was paid for in totality, completely paid for. Atonement was made. The work of atonement was made by the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he appeared. He appeared, and that's what Christmas is. He appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And that's what Good Friday is. And the God's accepting it and putting his stamp of approval on it. And God says, Diana, with a big stamp and says, it's enough. That's what Easter is, the resurrection. That's God's statement. It's enough. Thank you for joining us today. Now, as we studied this week, Noah had a wonderful work for God that he did and obeying God's word and building the ark. Now, we have a wonderful work at Israel Restoration Ministries for you to build relationships with Jewish people. Now, we have an opportunity for you to become a full-time missionary to the Jewish people in San Diego and Orange County. If you're interested in going door-to-door, reaching lost Jewish people, giving out the gospel, building relationships with them, and discipling God's lost nation of chosen people, please contact us today at 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. You can also email your resume to us at info, I-N-F-O, at israelrestoration.org, info at israelrestoration.org. Now, if you're not going to be a full-time missionary, find a Jewish person near you. We'll give you a free gospel gift. Call us today. We'll help to do that. 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Or go to friendshipwithgod.org.